0: So, we're in a series on, uh, well, a series called The Series of Unfortunate Events, a Working Title. (laughs) So, all right. Uh, And Corey started us off last week by talking about grief uh, and loss. Uh, It was a really awesome sermon. If you weren't here, if you want to listen to it on online that would be i would recommend it it's a really good sermon one of the things that he introduced in that is this idea of our loss and suffering and the process of moving through sadness and grief reflecting the the crucifixion story and resurrection story and so the idea is that when we experience loss or suffering, we're kind of in Jesus' story at the place of his crucifixion. Um, when, when at the beginning of the service, instead of reading Psalm 77, which is actually the passage that we're covering, I had us read part of Psalm 22, which parallels Psalm 77, and it is the the psalm that Jesus quotes when he's on the cross In at the point of death. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so loss and suffering sort of connects us with Jesus in his death. Saturday, on Holy Saturday, Jesus is in the grave. Now, Jesus, God could have just, you know, crucified and raised Jesus all at once. He chose to do it in this way that's a process. And I think that's because Jesus entered into and God entered into a time frame as opposed to uh, the eternal understanding of God. When God looks at a moment he sees all moments and knows all things. But Jesus came and entered in to a time-based story. I believe that that is, in part, in order to help us deal with sadness and depression and with grief and moving through. And this series actually follows uh, the death the Jesus being in the grave, and then on Sunday, Jesus being resurrected. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about uh, beauty from ashes. Um, so, oh, I'm not. this this week, Friday, Keith and I drove up to Flagstaff because Anna was having a really hard time. And I asked her permission. She said I could share the story. (laughs) Um, And she needed some encouragement, and that was what we went up to do. During that visit, we weren't with her, actually, a lot of the time. She was doing things that she needed to get done, and we were just there. What I realized particularly there was a, a moment where she was going in to meet with a counselor to try to find the resources to get help for the kinds of depression anxiety that she was experiencing and i w- we were we were behind her we weren't we weren't in front of her we didn't go in with her we were behind her and there was a moment where she looked back and you could see she gained some hope and courage from that look back. Not because Keith and I could rescue her, immediately rescue her from whatever the problems were, but because she knows our story. She knows that we have faced times of anxiety and depression. She knows the, our experience in college and the struggles that we had with, with, with the same things. She looked back and found hope because we were with her in this experience that she was going through. And I believe that is the picture that Jesus on the cross, when he looks back to Psalm 22 and also in Psalm 77, that's the picture that we get is, is comfort not being because everything gets fixed. Comfort being because we're a part of something that's, that's reaches way back into the past and is going to reach into the future. The, the psalmist gives kind of this sense of a way of moving through sadness. In our culture, sadness is not okay. We, we don't like it. We have lots of ways of avoiding it that are not necessarily good processes to get through sadness. And when we talk about, sorry, when we talk about sadness and depression, we're not just talking about, I mean, there is clinical depression that has to do with um, chemical imbalance. And as Eric said this morning, people medicate legally or illegally, and he recommended medicating legally under the care of a doctor. (laughs) And that is not separate from this process. That is, when I was depressed and went on medication, it was a part of me being able to grab hold of this experience that's offered in the psalm. He starts out with... Oh, I keep pointing the wrong way. He starts out and he says... I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. That's the place where we start, is that awareness that when we cry out, it's not just crying out to nothing. That there's an awareness that we are a part of God's kingdom, and when we call out to God, he does hear And then he says, I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refused to be comforted. I think of God, I groan, I meditate, my spirit becomes weak. And then he uses the word Selah that Mark was describing earlier in worship. The idea of Selah is that idea of time. It's that idea that when we face difficult things. It's in the context of time. Corey said last week that when we're in this loss and suffering, and then Jesus being in the grave, and then the resurrection, that Saturday where Jesus is in the grave can reflect stories that we have that last a long time. Sometimes Saturday is a long, long day. If you think about the the disciples and their excitement about what Jesus was doing and then in that moment all of a sudden they have some promises, they have some sense that something's happening, but what the heck? Where's like how is this going to work? It's it's not happening the way they expected it to happen. But their their faith had to do with knowing that Jesus was actually doing something and that God was involved in this whole experience. He describes, he gives a good description in this psalm of, um, of depression and sadness, which I, I think depression is kind of what happens when we're not able, it's, it's when we get kind of stuck in the sadness it's when we when we avoid the sadness, when we disconnect from the sadness, it, we we end up getting stuck. And so, what this psalmist is doing is kind of offering a way through sadness that can bring us to the resurrection hope. In in as he talks about the symptoms, he talks about being sleepless, and he says. Uh, uh, I refuse to be comforted. The, the the idea of this is not just, you know, forget it, I'm not gonna be comforted. The idea of it is that I can't get myself out of this feeling. I can't escape what I'm feeling in my own strength. It's just not happening. And when we're sad, that is the place that we find ourselves. And then he talks about groaning and weakness. Uh, some translations say like i can 't speak, but it 's not just like i 'm mute it 's like i can 't order my words i can't i can't explain what it is that 's happening to me. This is confusion and and i 'm weak and i like i i 'm at a loss for how to talk about it and i a lot of us have experienced that when we 're in that place of sadness. It's overwhelming, and we don't know how to communicate what it is that's happening. And that's when Corey talked about some of the encouragement in, in or less it, less than encouraging things that we say to each other when we are when we're not able to explain. Sometimes other people want to step in and explain for us which is not really the process that we see in this psalm. What we see is he's he's actually writing this song about his depression and what it looked like over time, which is what most of the psalms are. So when he's talking about this, he is in Good Friday. We're, we're coming up on Easter. Good Friday is, is when we... Uh, celebrate the the death of Jesus and the price that was paid for our sin. Saturday is is holy Saturday, they call it, is is when Jesus is in the grave and Easter Sunday is celebrating the resurrection of Jesus when he conquers death. In this and and in the beginning of the psalm that Jesus quotes, the My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the crucifixion place. It's the like I'm dying, I'm suffering. And then he goes on. He says, You have kept me from closing my eyes. I am troubled and cannot speak. I consider the days of old, years long past. At night I remember my music, probably fairly dark music, I meditate in my heart and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? These are the kind of places that we go in those, in those moments where, is this my fault? Is it, like, should I be ashamed? Is God just anger at, angry at me, and, and now I'm stuck here and can't go anywhere? Um, is am I rejected? Am I not really God's child? Like, what are some of the questions that you guys wrestle with when you're in places of sadness? What are what are some of your questions? What's the point? What's the point? yeah. Eric talked a lot in his sermon this morning about meaning, a a loss of meaning. And that these questions are focused on this sense that, like, why is this even happening to me? And that the path that he moves in this is a process of finding meaning in what he's experiencing. And again, the Selah is, is it, it's a reminder that this is happening over the course of time. This is not like an instantaneous thing. This is this is not okay. Now I feel these questions, and then I, somebody needs to just come answer them for me. This is a wrestling and a groaning that the spirit actually intercedes uh, and and teaches us, like and talks to God on our behalf to understand the stuff that we don't understand inside ourselves when we're in this place of sadness and, and depression. So at this point, we have he has a transition. Um, and, and I just want to re- keep in mind that the Selah, there have been two Selahs at this point before he moves into this next place. And I I really think that is important as we consider the way that our sadness and grief is connected to the story of Jesus's death and resurrection, that it happens in the context of time. And sometimes these things take a long time. But as he transitions, this is sort of his way of engaging with the sadness that he's been singing about or writing about. And... He begins by saying, uh, So I say, I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will remember the works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. God, your way is holy. What God is great is great. like God. You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob. This is kind of what Jesus does on the cross. When when they say meditate, it's not like Zen meditation where you're emptying yourself and uh, you're you know just hoping for a, some peace of mind. The, this meditation is like in the Hebrew idea of meditation, which had to do with with rehearsing. The stories that that you've experienced in your um, it, it's like meditating, thinking about the things that have happened before. There's a, a Hebrew scholar uh, that that talks about the way the Hebrews thought of of. this process of remembering and meditating was kind of like rowing a boat, okay? So you are moving in a direction toward the future, kind of like Anna when, when like she was moving forward, but we were behind her, and it's that idea that as we row our boat and move forward, the past is a part of what's guiding us into the future and it's how we understand what's happening in the future in one of the songs that we sing at the village is eric wrote is called trust and it its original title was 2016 and he wrote it in a remembrance of a really sad time. It was one of the minor key songs like Asaph was meditating on. He wrote it when his brother's baby died. And one of the people in our community, uh, her daughter was attacked by a dog. And there were lots of relational conflict. And it was this, this moment of sadness... And at the same time, a reflecting on the teaching of the word, because it's, it's out of the scripture that says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It's that looking back to the trustworthiness of God as we head into the future and finding our confidence in that. What he says is that he's going to focus on the the works, wonders, and actions of God. And then he goes into really talking about some of those things. The, the whole end of the psalm is him reflecting on the power that God has displayed in the community. And these stories were not like fairy tales to the Hebrew people. This wasn't like, oh, okay, well some guy in the past had this experience they were they they put themselves in the stories when jesus quotes david's psalm he's like he's putting himself in that place and saying i connect with what you were feeling i this is a part of what i'm struggling with and that's part of where he finds his hope is in that process of being a part of a larger story At the village, we do a lot of talking about our stories, and one of the ways that I have found hope as I move forward in my times of depression is knowing some of your stories. We we become priests to one another, where we, uh, in Second Corinthians, it says uh, that we comfort one another with the comfort we ourselves have received and that idea is that we are priests of the living god that are a part of this grand narrative of redemption that that's where he goes to next is is that god has redeemed his people he's bought them back with his own blood and that's the part that's the story that we're a part of i think i'm Eric talked this morning, I just added this one in because I thought it was a good thing. He talked about the word zakar, which is the the word for remembering that's used in this psalm. And it's really a powerful sense of like connecting, considering, talking about the things that have happened in the past and the story that we're a part of and moving forward into the future from that place of understanding the works that God has done. And God has done some amazing things in our community, in the gospel, in the Old Testament. There's a whole history in my life. There's a whole history of work that God has done. And in the in the Jewish community, they had a sense of their participation in it because it was a part of their... Uh, cultural heritage. It was a part of the story of God choosing them as his people. What Jesus broadens that to is that we're all those people now. We're all Abraham's children. Like we're included in the narrative from the past and get to move forward with hope because of that, because Jesus is present in the time with us. He, he calls himself Emmanuel, God with us. That when we're in our sadness, he's not a distant God who's not really paying attention to what's going on. He is, is experiencing the things that we experience. So as we consider and talk about and remember the things that have happened that's kind of the path that that this psalm and and also in Psalm 22 that Jesus is talk uh, talks about is you know it goes back. He's like, yet you know when Jesus is talking, he says, "Yet you are enthroned, uh, and our ancestors trusted in you." And some of the some of us, our ancestors are here. You know, the people that have shown us the way to Jesus are here. And our story is a part of understanding what God is doing and what God has done. Um, we remember and meditate on and retell the stories with ourselves present in the story. Uh, when Anna looked back at us, she, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a stranger you know she wasn't she wasn't saying oh well i guess i just have to do this on my own she looked back with an understanding that she's a part of the gospel story that she's a part of the the of abraham story of of god choosing people to be in relationship with him and as as she moved like as she moved forward the comfort was in the sense of the Spirit of God being present even in things that are scary or even in things that are sad or even in things that are hard. So I guess my encouragement to you would be to tell the stories. Um, tell the stories of, of your own experience of, of freedom and of grieving and God bringing you to a place where things are different, tell, your, tell, tell one another's stories. Um, I told Anna's story, you know. Um, tell the stories of what's happening and, and look back into the stories of the Old Testament with yourself present in those. That's, that's how the Hebrews looked at those, not as like those were some other people but as they are our ancestors, and these are the things that have happened. Um, there, When I was teaching on Daniel a while back, we were talking about miracles in exile. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. Sadness is a part of what's happening in the world around us. But God also is at work and is bringing life, and hope, and freedom, and transformation, and as we share in those, we begin to move out of some of the sadness that we experience and into the hope of the resurrection. Not as like a, you just got to get over it, but as a, right, we are part of something good. This is all a part of something good, and we're not alone we're in a community and a kingdom with with someone who came down into exile with us didn't didn't stay above us but came down and experienced the suffering that happens over time where you have to really yeah i mean he lived the, the kind of suffering and probably more suffering than than we have lived, and yeah, so consider the big story, consider your jesus's stories, the stories your own stories, and the stories of the community, and talk about them because it, it is a way that we begin to move through the sadness and end up not getting stuck in the sadness anybody have any questions he's giving the microphone cuz i guess that's the thing
1: i came from a tradition in which those were invalid questions there's something wrong with you if you ask those questions. And if you felt them, then you just denied them. And for a very long time, the Psalms were very puzzling to me because of that. Yeah. But uh, it's liberating to realize that it's okay for us to be that part in that part of the story, for us to be suffering and, and, and experiencing loss and experiencing grief and uh that's that's pretty new to me just in the last few years. My wife's been trying to explain this to me for a long time. <laughs> so she's always been the smart one yeah. <laughs> but I'm kind of a slow learner, but I really like the way you articulate that barely made it me it made me relate to what was going on in the psalm.
0: well Jesus really doesn't in in suffering you know he comes to Lazarus uh the brother of his really good friends. And he's about to heal Lazarus, but he doesn't jump and just tell them, oh, it's all right, you know, don't worry about it, I'm going to heal Lazarus. He comes in and he enters into that tem- temporal experience of death, and he cries with the people who are grieving for Lazarus. And then he raises him. But but he doesn't skip over that part of
2: of sadness. I personally have a really difficult time with sadness. I tend to um, dissociate and, uh, you know, either pretend it's not there or tell myself, you know, it's not valid or like, you know, give myself the, you know, well-intended kind of responses of, you know, God's always there and it's going to be okay. Because I don't like grief and sadness. And so I'm wondering how I can discipline myself to sit with it and grieve properly because I hear that that's what is the good thing to do.
0: (laughs) Good, in in the capital G sense. Uh, Jesus like Jesus really does offer us the words and we bring in shame to our sadness and suffering. We screwed up, we're not good enough, we're not, you know, all these things that we bring on. And part of the reason that I think Jesus came in this temporal kind of way is that he wanted us to know that it's okay. And he wants to lift our shame in those moments. And so contemplating what Jesus has done, like what Jesus is saying through his death and resurrection and the humiliation and pain of his death is, I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to put shame on your experience of sadness. I, I'm here to help, like, like to teach you about what it is to move into and to give you a hope that there is something beyond. And and that's why looking back at the stories is a part of what allows us to look forward. But when we but looking back at the stories means we have to recognize that I'm believing a lot of things about this experience of sadness that are not what Jesus is teaching me. They're not what, you know, when I look at the stories in other people's lives, I don't, that I'm not seeing that what jesus is saying is you should just be ashamed and that's how you can get through like that's how you can get out of your sadness that's what the culture is saying and sometimes christian culture is saying yep one more and then you
2: (laughs) no i was just talking to my wife about that a minute ago too is that i feel like it's um Like authority figures, whether it's parents or whoever, it's those voices that we're hearing in those times that are putting us to shame and stuff And we just need to wrap our heads around. That's not how God functions. Uh, He's not there to shame you or... um, I mean, if we're his children, we don't... That's not how we teach our kids. You know, through shame, they're going to figure it out. Um, Yeah, so it's just a very human way... Uh, of trying to understand things. And that's why we're kind of beating our head against a brick wall because they don't go together. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and gifts are a part, I mean, children are a part of the gift of God communicating what's true. Like what you say to your kids when you're in a place of really loving is not the kind of things that you would say to yourself in that place. One more.
2: Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament, he was a man of constant sorrow. Mm -hmm. And you look at it from both the Old and the New Testament, he saw the hearts and minds of all people and wasn't happy about that. I mean, he knew that these people were going to die for nothing. And I think I remember in the newspaper the past couple of weeks uh, a very wealthy famous Tucsonan died and the newspapers paid homage to him by many multiple pages and then all the radio and TV stations played homage to him. Mm-hmm. But I, I personally felt this was a guy that didn't know Jesus. Hmm. And I look at my friend and, you know, the guy that I worked with for three years. He died um, last weekend. And he didn't know Jesus. And he didn't want to know. For whatever reasons, he did not want to know. And that plays a sadness on me.
0: Well, in... And the reality is that Jesus the, experiences those losses deeply, whether someone knows him or not. Right. Whereas we can kind of distance ourselves from, from things Jesus does not. And following Jesus and setting Jesus as Lord is that process of engaging with, with the way that Jesus experiences our suffering and the suffering of others. So, okie dokie. Well, um, let's pray. Jesus, thank you, uh, just for the story that you invite us into, and the identity as your as your children that you invite us into, and pray that you would help us to engage with that in real and tangible ways, uh, especially as we're walking through suffering. <laughs> whoop.